This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The David Pakman Show, YouTube's Liberal Viewer, The Daily Show, The Jimmy Dore Show, The Young Turks, Counterspin, The Colbert Report, and Comedian Lee Camp with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from The Daily Show. Fox News, Fox Nation, seeming to be implying that Obama has been president since 2000. Let's put this image up for our TV audience. Fox News, the website, posted about a study that pointed out that child poverty increased in 38 states from the year 2000 to the year 2009. And as you can see, the headline is Poverty Soars Under Obama from 2000 to 2009. Then they realized, oh, wait a second. Obama wasn't president for most of that time. We're actually saying here that poverty for children soared during George W. Bush. Let's change that headline, which they did after this was pointed out, to study one in five American children living in poverty. I guess they got very, very scared that they accidentally made fun of George W. Bush. I don't know. And hey, by the way, somebody once said to me, Lewis, that community organizers never actually do anything. Obama did something. Apparently, he increased child poverty when he wasn't even president. Incredible the things that Fox News and Fox Nation are able to come up with. So with all the misinformation they put out, you'd think our friends at Fox would be used to criticism by now, but watching Fox News lately, it seems they are so sensitive to being factually corrected that they've actually run several stories recently trying to find something illegal about pointing out Fox News' errors, as you can see, for example, in Steve Ducey's introduction for a segment last week in this clip. Left-wing attacks being supported by your tax dollars? That's right. The organization, Media Matters, is reportedly claiming a tax-exempt status subsidizing their agenda and their war on Fox News. So why is the IRS and the federal government letting them get away with it? Now, claiming that tax dollars subsidize private nonprofit organizations is at least a little bit of a stretch, and I don't recall Fox News ever saying that tax dollars subsidize churches, which are also tax-exempt, but... The really ridiculous argument against Media Matters didn't come until Fox News brought on lawyer Jordan Seculo, who directs operations at the American Center for Law and Justice, a very partisan, conservative, tax-exempt nonprofit, who nevertheless said this about Media Matters. It's partisan, and you cannot be a wing of the Democrat Party and get 501c3 status. The, the terminology that they're using, their founder and their directors are using, is very dangerous if you're trying to keep your tax-exempt status, saying that Fox News has now taken over the Republican Party and that they've declared a guerrilla war on Fox News right. means that they are a purely partisan organization. That doesn't qualify under the 51c3 status. Hmm, no, there are a couple big problems with that argument, problems which, of course, Fox News anchor Steve Ducey never raised. But before getting to the problems with the message, there's also a big problem with this messenger, Jordan Seculo, is the one making the argument because... The organization he directs is also a 501c3 nonprofit with tax-exempt status, yet 
Seculo exhibits exactly the kind of partisan bias he attributed to Media Matters, and even worse, a video edited and uploaded by Right Wing Watch showed Seculo earlier this year at the Faith and Freedom Coalition Summit saying this. I'm a pretty partisan guy, as you know, because we should be honest. If we actually want to beat this administration, which has been the most aggressive on these issues, we still have to vote Republican. We still have to unite. We know where there's a lot of us in the Tea Party. We know there's a lot of people in the Tea Party who aren't Christian too. We all have to come together. And maybe down the road we can come up with you know these third party ideas. It's not going to happen this time likely. Yeah. We're running out of time. So let's get ready to unite whoever the GOP nominates and, and stop this administration. And now what's particularly bad about Jordan Seculo telling people to vote for the Republican nominee in the 2012 election as the director of a tax-exempt 501c3 organization is that if you actually look at section 501c3 of the federal law, You'll see what these tax-exempt organizations can't do under the law is participate in or intervene in any political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate for public office, which is different from Media Matters criticizing Fox News for being a partisan group aligned with a political party, though on that front what may be the more ironic part of Jordan Seculo's statement to the Faith and Freedom Coalition was the part where he said, We took the Republican Party made it ours. I mean, we can be honest about it. Now, it's pretty ironic to hear Jordan Seculo talking about taking over the Republican Party when, remember, his accusation against that other 501c3 was... It's partisan, and you cannot be a wing of the Democrat Party and get 501c3 status. The, the terminology that they're using, their founder and their directors are using, is very dangerous if you're trying to keep your tax-exempt status. Saying that Fox News has now taken over the Republican Party and that they've declared a guerrilla war on Fox News right. means that they are a purely partisan organization. That doesn't qualify under the 501c3 status. <laughs> now, again, I already showed that argument doesn't fit the real prohibition in Section 501c3 against working on behalf of a candidate's campaign, but what's really interesting is that one necessary logical step in that bogus 501c3 accusation is just assuming that Fox News is totally aligned with the Republican Party, an assumption to which the Fox News anchor never raised any objection, and even more ironically, if that's true that Fox News controls or is controlled by the Republican Party, then Fox News has its own problem with a different set of federal laws that exempt media expenditures that benefit a political candidate from federal election law regulations unless that media organization is, quote, owned or controlled by any political party, political committee, or candidate, unquote. So if Fox News is controlled by the Republican Party, all its favorable coverage of Republicans would be considered a corporate expenditure subject to federal election regulations, and a lot of Fox News broadcasting could then be regulated as such expenditures, because even earlier that morning, Fox & Friends covered Representative Michelle Bachman's announcement that she's running for president with complete positive spin over the title Republicans rising star you can see in this clip. She's somebody who is very comfortable in front of audiences and like Herman Cain uh, doesn't really read her speeches verbatim and when she does they're not on a teleprompter. How do I know that? Well if you look at Congressman Bachman yesterday she let everyone know that if she gets to the White House she'll have a new approach to the speech biz, speech giving business. President Bachman may be retiring that thing by the way when I get to the White House. We may not have that. A teleprompter.
doctor-in-chief. Uh, now, when the brown-haired guy who's not Steve Ducey claimed there that Michelle Bachman doesn't read her speeches verbatim, or when she does, there's no teleprompter, he's just not telling the truth, which is evident just from that incident this year when Michelle Bachman gave the Tea Party response to President Obama's State of the Union address, which some networks broadcast from a camera showing Bachman looking off to the side the whole time, and the Tea Party's defense of her was that there was another camera and that... Quote, according to Tea Party HD, Bachman was looking directly into a teleprompter and camera, unquote. So that Fox News coverage of presidential candidate Michelle Bachman was closer to a campaign expenditure than news, and Bachman isn't even a Fox News contributor like so many other potential and actual Republican presidential candidates. So much so that Media Matters did a study last January showing that Fox News's 2010 expenditures on airtime for potential Republican presidential candidates serving as Fox News hosts and contributors ranged into the millions of dollars in free advertising per candidate, including current actual candidates Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum, and it's that kind of factual educational material for Media Matters that does nothing to violate its tax-exempt status, but... I think better explains why Fox News has been so keen on trying to find ways to discredit media matters. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. a Grammy-winning artist, as well as an actor's new TV series, Hell on Wheels, premieres on AMC November 6th. His new memoir is called One Day It'll All Make Sense. Please welcome to the program, Common Sutter. Please. Common, I don't know what I'm. I don't know why I'm associating with you right now. I feel this is terribly dangerous for me. Wow, it's, uh, <laughs> we let's talk very quickly about uh, the the dust up that that happened to you. Uh, you were invited to uh, a poetry reading at the White House. Is that yes, correct? Uh, and you accepted it. Yes, <laughs> I definitely did. And that was cause for uh, many news organizations. One news organization. <laughs> <laughs> to suggest that perhaps uh, the reincarnation of Che Guevara had been invited to the White House. <laughs> and what did it feel like to be in the middle of that firestorm, to accept an invitation to a White House you had already been to a couple of times? What, what did, what did the, the, the firestorm feel like? Well, at first I thought it was humorous. I was like, really, they think that I'm the person that's a negative energy, a negative rap artist, and right. then I realized that they just didn't know me because if they had, they wouldn't come out and say that 
I, I rap about killing cops. And, you know, anybody that knows me know I, I put out music about love. I put out music about social consciousness, community, God, having fun. But you have to admit, uh, for instance, the sweater you're wearing, that's a very thick collar. That's unusual. That, <laughs> that, that could scare white people. Oh, man. But, you know, a lot... A lot of white people wear sometimes thinner collars on their sweaters, and then, and then you tie. come in. But does my tie help the whole outfit? <laughs> I feel a little more comfortable yeah. with it, but... Yeah, a little politically correct, right? Well, it, it, but it must have been, you know, a, a, almost a frightening experience. How did you... Did, did all of a sudden, you know, your email go off when this is occurring? What, yeah, what was strange was I was working on a project um, called Hell on Wheels, and... While we were filming, it was I was getting texts, and I, when I came back, I seen they, they, one of my friends text me and said, "Don't let it get to you." I was wondering what he was talking about. I thought it was like, "What are you talking about? What did some girl say something about me?" <laughs> so then I started getting more texts saying that, and I when I realized, you know, some of my team members told me, "Man, you know, they're saying Fox News and Sarah Palin said this and that about you that you were this type of artist." And that's when I was like, really? You sure? That Sarah Palin must have, have never heard any of Common's music. She's never been at a, at a I show. Think I think when she's on the bus touring the great sights of America, she may, she may get down. We don't know. <laughs> this is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Jess Levin. Fox News likes to separate its opinion programming from its so-called objective reporting. But just how objective can news anchor Brett Baer be when he's repeating Republican talking points? President Obama is challenging Congress to immediately pass what he calls a jobs bill and what Republicans say is a new stimulus package. The president issued a not-so-subtle challenge, saying the only thing preventing passage would be politics. We begin a series this evening on the issue of government regulation, or what many see as over-regulation, too many rules, too little common sense. Uh, it is amazing. It takes the average American, I think they said, 11 months uh, to read through all of the federal registry from, for register from last year. You're hearing Republicans on Capitol Hill really come at this uh, from a political point of view, saying it is really onerous to businesses. Beware, parents, if you didn't know, SpongeBob is indoctrinating your kids to be liberals, to be liberal tree huggers who believe that climate change is an issue. Well, it's according to Fox News anyway. Fox and Friends devoted multiple segments the other day to attacking SpongeBob SquarePants for telling kids what is the truth about global warming. That's the reality. So, Lewis. Uh, climate change. Uh, right, of course, climate change and a component of that is global warming. This is, you have to be conscious of this, ladies and gentlemen. That evil, insidious SpongeBob SquarePants is uh, someone we need to watch out for. Let's take a listen to this so-called report from Fox and Friends. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. Well, we all know that SpongeBob is popular with the kids, and for the life of me, I still keep trying to figure out I'm why it is. I'm with you. I don't <laughs> care. It's a sponge I mean, time, in the ocean. You know, my kids watch limited TV, but every time they yeah. choose that show, I'm like, why? But anyway, uh, I, it's hard to even follow sometimes. Uh, anyway, now, uh, maybe that'll be a good thing, because uh, SpongeBob is talking a lot about global warming, and he's only looking at it from one point of view. 
SpongeBob! You're wasting me precious carbon dioxide! Carbon dioxide? I'm pumping it into the atmosphere, boy! Thanks to global warming, the temperature will soon go through the roof, and then we'll have an endless summer. Why do you want an endless summer, Mr. Krabs? So I can open me latest money-making venture, the Krusty Pool! Who turned up the heat? Just throwing another tire on the fire for global warming, Mr. Krabs. <laughs> okay, so uh, what happened? Uh, July 20th, the Department of Education invited a bunch of D.C. kids in, and they had this uh, festivity, and they handed out these, these uh, particular Nickelodeon books where... Clearly, Nickelodeon is pushing a global warming agenda. And while there is no disputing the fact that the Earth is getting a little warmer, the big question is, is it man-made, or is it just one of those gigantic, climactic you know, phases that we're going, for a while we're cold, and then we get warm. Right, okay, so I won't, I won't subject you to the rest of so Steve because Ducey's... because one episode of Spongebob that deals with this, well, talks about this, uh, Nickelodeon is pushing an agenda? Forget about that. That that's that's one argument. And Natan wants to get in on this. Apparently, what what do you want to say about this, Natan? Uh, a couple things. Uh, first of all, the fact that who's this anchor at Fox News, the one who started the segment, Gretchen Carlson. Gretchen Carlson. Yeah, she finds SpongeBob hard to follow. <laughs> that's that's the first thing that caught my attention. Yeah, if, yeah. That, I think if you find SpongeBob hard to follow, you shouldn't be commenting on anything. Right. right. Maybe she. I mean, if it's so hard for her to follow, maybe she shouldn't be commenting. I mean, on it. she mm -hmm. probably can't follow the science of global warming if she can't follow SpongeBob. That's, that's a good point. I mean, we have to assume if Gretchen Carlson can't follow SpongeBob. Why would we be listening to her about the science about climate change? It's a brilliant point. And here's the thing. Scientists, forget about whether one episode is an indoctrination. Scientists aren't divided about whether or not climate change is man-made, okay? A 2009 poll, 82% of scientists believe human activity has an effect. 97% of climatologists agree human activity is a factor, okay? I understand their concern, though. I know SpongeBob is related to Connie the Contraceptive Sponge, also a, uh, a bitter enemy of Fox News. But let's be honest. We heard in the first few seconds, Gretchen Carlson can't even follow SpongeBob. Why would we listen to her about climate change? Well, you know what? Maybe Fox News is right. I mean, SpongeBob is biased. It's biased in favor of reality. It's, it, right, no, of course. Facts have a liberal bias, apparently, many times. Love America? Are you a true patriot? And are you fed up with the liberal media jamming leftist propaganda down your throat by way of your eye and ear holes? If you answered yes to these questions, you just might have what it takes to attend the Sean Hannity School of Right Wing Journalism. Enroll today, and before you know it, you'll be sticking it to those loony lefties, but good. 
Sean Hannity possesses all the essential tools of right-wing journalism. Techniques like not reading, not listening, lying, yelling, bullying, fabricating, taking sound bites out of context, pleasing your corporate masters at all costs, saying things that are the opposite of true, being willfully ignorant, and making shit up out of whole cloth. And you can do it too. But that's not all. The best part of the Sean Hannity School of Right-Wing Journalism is you're already enrolled. We don't have any fancy teachers or classrooms because we don't have any classes. Sean didn't need them to become a journalist, and neither do you. Sitting there right now on your rascal, in the back of your truck, or with your legs dangling over the edge of your kiddie pool, you are every bit as qualified as Sean Hannity to host your own cable news show. Isn't that right, Sean? Journalism is dead in America, but for Fox and talk radio. Be a part of that proud tradition. Call the Sean Hannity School of Right-Wing Journalism today. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Free Zach Rath. Very smart in a lot of areas. There's and plenty of areas that I agree with him on. But he, this is classic Washington conventional wisdom thinking that he's about to display here. First clip. Over the last week, liberal politicians and commentators in America took to the airwaves and op-ed pages to criticize the debt deal that Congress reached. But their ire was directed not at the Tea Party or even the Republicans, but rather at Barack Obama who they concluded had failed as a president because of his persistent tendency to compromise. This has been a running theme ever since Obama took office. I think that liberals need to grow up. As the New Republic's Jonathan Chait brilliantly points out, there is a recurring liberal fantasy that if only the president of the United States would give a stirring speech, he would sweep the country along with the sheer power of his poetry and enact his agenda. Yeah, I think you need to grow up, and I think all of Washington needs to grow up. Listen, we're not kids. Don't talk down to us like we're stupid. We've been right about every single thing, and you've been wrong in Washington about every single thing. Now, I said that President Obama would get a terrible deal in the tax cuts, and he did. He gave away 100% of the store. The Bush tax cuts were for the rich were completely and utterly maintained. That was 100 to nothing. What did he get in return? The START Treaty? Now, Freed, you don't know that the Republicans originally were in favor of the START Treaty, and they were in favor of it all along. That was an obvious negotiation tactic. You know, here's something you could do, Freed, for example, not fantasies of stirring speeches. You go, oh, you know what? You want to go for the tax cuts for the rich? Have at it, Hoss. You want to stop the START Treaty so that we cannot verify Russia's nuclear weapons? Have at it, Hoss. Let's take our case to the American people. I bet I win. I bet the American people don't want loose nukes. 
in Russia, and I bet that they're not in favor of the tax cuts for rich. Well, how do I know that? Because every poll shows about 70 to 80% of Americans say, hey, you know what, we should increase taxes on the rich and get rid of those Bush tax cuts. You see, a strong president doesn't need to give fantastic speeches. He just needs to say, this is my position, it is backed by the American people, and I am sticking to it. And if you counter me, no problem, but you will have a political price to pay. That's politics 101. If you don't understand that, you don't understand anything about politics, please stop talking about it. Because you people in Washington apparently don't know the first word about it. Here, I'll give you another example. The originally, the Republicans said that they wanted $30 billion in cuts, otherwise they would shut the government down. Eventually, President Obama gave them $38 billion in cuts, $8 billion more than they originally requested. Why? Because every time he agrees to the Republicans, the Republicans move the goalposts further and further right. Now, do I blame the Republicans? Of course I do. On the other hand, it is a logical negotiating tactic for them because they keep saying, this guy keeps giving me 100% of what I want, I might as well want more. It doesn't have to do with fantastic speeches. It has to do with how do you negotiate, and he is a horrible negotiator. Based on those examples and I, the ones that we had seen before, I predicted that he would give away uh, the whole store in this debt ceiling. I was right again, two and a half trillion dollars in spending cuts and not a dime in revenue increases. So who doesn't understand politics, Free Zachary? Because I'm trying to figure out, I seem to be a little confused because you know, I suppose I'm not a grown up. So why don't you tell me what a brilliant defeat that President Obama has brought us and how I don't understand it. Give me, now he's talking not just about other liberals, but also specifically about Drew Weston, who I praised, who wrote in the New York Times. Let's hear this nonsense criticism. The disappointment over the debt deal is just the latest episode of liberal bewilderment about Obama. I have no idea what Barack Obama believes on virtually any issue Drew Weston writes in the New York Times. Confused over Obama's tendency to take balanced positions. Weston hints that his professional experience, which is as a psychologist, suggests deep, traumatic causes for Obama's pathology. Let me offer a simpler explanation. Obama is a centrist and a pragmatist who understands that in a country divided over core issues, you cannot make the best the enemy of the good. This is the classic, terrible, pathetic, weak excuse, which is, oh, we couldn't get something perfect, so we gave you exactly what the Republicans wanted instead. The country's divided, so I gave the Republicans 100% of what they wanted. But wait a minute, why does President Obama keep talking about a balanced approach if he never gives us one? You see, in order to get balanced, you have to fight for your side. They fight for their side, and then, you know what? If we met in the middle, I would be delightfully surprised. We're nowhere near the middle. I just gave you three examples where the Republicans got more than 100, sometimes more than 100% of what they wanted. What are your counterexamples? Free Zachariah backs it up with nothing. All he does is, I'm in Washington, and everybody in Washington agrees that the centrist and pragmatic thing to do is to always agree with the Republicans, and we think Barack Obama's a genius for doing so. Well, guess what? The American people don't think that way. That's why President Obama hit the 30s today in the polls, and he's only heading downwards, because what the American people are actually interested in is a strong leader who fights for his principles, the ones that got him elected in the first place.
The FCC announced recently that it was doing away with some 83 rules as part of a reform agenda. The list included the Fairness Doctrine, which gave the press another opportunity to misrepresent what was already one of the most widely misunderstood media policy concepts of all time. The Hollywood Reporter called the doctrine, quote, an idea that was meant to force radio broadcasters into offering as much left-wing political content as they offer right-wing commentary, close quote. A Massachusetts Daily headlined its write-up, Big Brother Cries Uncle. That's the imaginary fairness doctrine that right-wing talk show hosts like to use to scare listeners. Rush Limbaugh called it the Hush Rush Bill, saying it would force stations carrying him to air liberal programs or face FCC sanctions. But that was nonsense. The Fairness Doctrine never mandated anything resembling equal time for ideological positions. It did call on broadcasters to devote some of their airtime to discussing controversial matters and to air contrasting views regarding those matters. Typically, when an individual or group complained to a station, the station would set aside time for an on-air response for the omitted perspective. Reasonable opportunity for presentation of opposing points of view was the relevant phrase. But the remedy didn't amount to anything close to equal time. The Fairness Doctrine was somewhat vague and depended on the vigilance of listeners and viewers to notice imbalance and respond to it. But its value lay in the principle it expressed, that broadcasters had a responsibility to present a range of views on controversial issues. Hard to see what's outdated about that. secret that I have had a long time beef with my rival CNN wood elf Anderson Cooper. I cannot stand anything about him except those eyes. They're the exact Benjamin Moore color I painted my master bath. But that's where the admiration ends, folks, because as you recall, not long ago, I called out Mr. 360 for ripping off my on-notice board with his segment, The Ridiculist. And as punishment, I added him to my Absurdu chart. <laughs> the Absurdu chart is now guarded at all times by a platypus in a birthday hat. <laughs> I think it's obvious why. Now, I have to admit, I have always been intimidated by Anderson Cooper's legendary composure under pressure. But I think we have finally found Anderson's weakness. Check out what happened last night while he was reporting on French actor Gerard Depardieu's recent meltdown when he peed in the aisle of an airplane. Jim? So after Gerard took his little solo flight to urination, the plane had to turn around and go back to the gate, and some unlucky cleaning crew had to deal with the Golden Globe winning tinkle. Now, all I can say is they should thank their lucky stars it wasn't Depardieu. Sorry. <laughs> that made me giggle every time I read it. He hasn't commented on this incident. <laughs> Depart two. I know you got it, but. <laughs> All right. Sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry, this is actually never happened to me. <laughs> I am shocked. I am shocked at this behavior from the award-winning journalist who stays poised while reporting during a hurricane, visiting an earthquake-ravaged hellscape, fending off rioters in Tahrir Square, being attacked by a hippogriff, and riding his surfboard through space. But we have found Anderson Cooper's kryptonite. Celebrity poop puns. Well, Anderson, if Depard 2 tickled your funny bone, I'm about to slit your jocular vein. May I present Hosni Pubarik, Camilla Parker Bowles, Dame Duty Stench, LL Stool J, Dr. Sanjay Pupta, Wolf Sir, Fudge Napolitano, Gretchen Hot Carlson, and of course, Steve Ducey. Anyway, that was very unprofessional, Anderson Pooper. <laughs> Munch Makuchi. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as five dollars a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. And finally, if you're ready for some football, you'd better have been ready for some big-time corporate synergy, too. NBC bought the rights to air the first NFL game of the season, and they weren't going to let anybody just, you know, watch the game. Because, of course, NBC is now NBC Universal, which meant, in the stirring words of one corporate exec, quote, more assets than ever are involved in the NBC Sports Group's big event strategy, close quote. In other words, you got football-themed programming on NBC News. 
The Today Show moved to Game City, Green Bay, Wisconsin, as did the Weather Channel. CNBC's sports business reporter worked from Wisconsin, reasonably enough. But then there were the enforced football segments on America's Got Talent, Access Hollywood, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. As if local TV news weren't boosterish enough, a company directive required NBC affiliates in NFL markets to help celebrate Back to Football Friday by wearing NFL customized jerseys on air Friday morning. Not even Universal's Orlando theme park was off the hook. Restaurant bar employees had to wear NFL jerseys, and according to a press release, quote, all park turnstile employees will wear NFL hats, close quote. Go team. Planned Parenthood was firebombed. If you haven't heard of this, don't be surprised. It's because the media, especially the right-wing media, has been almost completely silent about it. A potential incident of domestic terrorism took place, and it gets barely more than a yawn for most of the press. Someone firebombed a Planned Parenthood clinic in McKinney, Texas, late on Tuesday night. Luckily, because it was so late, no one was hurt. Here's the thing. This clinic, we know what the, the, the objective was here. It's an abortion-related thing, as we've seen many times. This particular clinic does not even provide abortions. So this was not necessarily in vain, because we know what the goal was, but they don't provide abortions. No one was hurt because it was late. But the potential here for damage was significant. We're hearing almost nothing. And we see more and more of these disturbing acts of violence at these family planning clinics. And a bottle was thrown that had a, it was an ignited container of diesel fuel. And uh, it broke a window. And like I said, fortunately, no one was hurt. Now, you might have read about it on Twitter. Maybe you heard about it on a liberal blog. Probably not a newspaper, probably not a cable news channel. Absolutely not on any right-wing blog, which is a little odd considering how much attention terrorist attacks get in this country. Don't they, Lewis? I mean, the media typically obsesses about terror attacks. Of course. However, there isn't evidence any Muslims were involved. Maybe we don't care as much. There isn't any evidence that people were trying to take away anyone's freedom, even though I would make the argument that if you're trying to restrict the ability for women to make decisions about their own medical treatment... And get legal abortions. And get access to safe and legal abortions, you're actually affecting people's freedom. Of course. We just don't really hear that narrative told. Mm -hmm. Glenn Beck devoted an hour to falsely ac accusing Planned Parenthood of a bunch of different crimes. A bunch of major right-wing pundits have stepped up all of the anti-reproductive rights rhetoric. We've seen many states at the state level try to defund Planned Parenthood. We've even seen the right move a step further, which we predicted a year ago, Lewis, trying to prevent contraception, period. It's 2011, ladies and gentlemen. What argument can be made 
when Republicans try to attack contraception other than they want to control women's bodies. There is a misogynistic nature to many of these proposals that is very clear. Men want to control women's bodies. That's, that's what is there for many. For many, it's the religious component, absolutely. Imagine if this, the target of this attack had been associated with the right. Imagine for a second, Lewis, that Marcus Bachman's anti-gay therapy clinic, let's just say it was some diesel fuel in a glass bottle going through the window at midnight with no one hurt. This would be a major national story, and you know it, Lewis. Of course. It would be wall-to-wall -wall coverage, even if no one was hurt, even if the attacker's identity was still unknown. It's even easier to imagine that if anyone had any reason to suspect a Muslim had been involved in this attack, it would not only be a major news story for days, it would be the subject of congressional inquiries, it would be maybe even an air war. Who would we bomb if there was evidence that this same attack was perpetrated by a Muslim, Lewis? I agree. I think had someone been hurt uh, at this clinic, it would have been a story and we would have been hearing a lot more about it. I think if one or two people get hurt in this incident, it still doesn't become the major story that it should be. Not as major as it should be, but we'd hear more, we'd hear from more outlets about it. You may be right. What's abundantly clear is that if it's Marcus Bachman's clinic and no one gets hurt, we don't hear about anything other than Even this. if it were graffiti on the outside wall of Marcus Bachman's clinic. It would be a bigger story. Be a story. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. is admittedly a cliche subject, but A, hopefully I'll shed some new light on said topic and add dirtier words to it, and B, sometimes thoughts are stated over and over because they're good fucking ideas. For example, don't piss on an electric fence, or do cheat off the Asian kid's paper during the math test, cheat off the Indian kid's paper during the technology test, and ride on the Samoan kid's back during the phys ed test. These tenants have been around for a long time for good reason. So today's topic is, we're watching too much television. Like I said, nothing you haven't heard before. But it used to be a problem with only children, and now it's fucking everyone downloading two to six hours of idiocy per day, liquefying and zombifying, hypnotizing, and then glorifying brands, corporations, products, and material possessions. Brain scans show that the brain waves created while watching extended amounts of television are closer to a hypnotic trance than they are to conscious thought. And yet we all believe that we're smart enough to decide whether we really need the products being advertised. But then you find yourself opening the box to your brand new doggy stairs, wondering what the 
fuck happened to your life? I thought every flight of stairs led somewhere, but it turns out doggy stairs lead nowhere. And of course, it's not only products sold to us when we're in this trance-like state. It's political views and propaganda news. It's Michelle Bachman and Pat Buchanan. It's death and destruction and drama and fear. TV shows about peace and friendship don't exactly fucking sell well. There's a reason there's professional wrestling, but no professional cuddling. Even porn has turned into nothing but angry hate fucking. When was the last time you saw a porn between two people who even pretended to like each other. Kissing is about as welcome on a porn set as the actor's family members. Remember the good old days when porn had romantic music playing and the guy would help the lady secure her strap on like a gentleman and no one was crying. Oh, those were such innocent times. And look, fear and anger have their place. Being angry at the right things and afraid of the right things is good for you. But when Glenn Beck tells America to shit ourselves every time someone says the word social justice and Wolf Blitzer tells you to be afraid because a squirrely-eyed Arab was arrested on a plane after strapping a Glock to his cock, which is a very different kind of strap-on, it doesn't do anything but make us scared, docile creatures willing to duct tape saran wrap over our kids' heads if it means security. Television is one of the most important ways that the unwashed masses are made into malleable, manipulatable mush. So turn your fucking TV off. Don't spend much time watching internet videos like this one. And turn off public TVs that are used to calm and stupefy the people. In airports and doctor office, in the backs of cabs and grocery stores, bars and diners, TV is a low-level drug and it's fucked up to have everybody loves Raymond shoved down your throat to anesthetize you when you show up to the airport. And how do you turn those public TVs off? Well, rocks work pretty well. But I personally own a tiny keychain remote that has one button on it. That button turns off 99% of all televisions. It cost me about $15 to buy online. I've been working on a similar remote now that would also shut off Republicans. Throwing stone, rolling home. If you think I'm slowing down, if you think I'm slowing down, no, I'm not slowing down. He's in a bit of trouble. Now, you might think that it's because he's, uh, there's reports out that he's getting divorced from his wife, but really, who cares about that? That's his personal life, right? Uh, Maureen uh, McFilmy, O'Reilly, uh, and Bill have been having troubles apparently since at least 2009. How do we know that? Uh, well, one of the ways we know is uh, Brandon Ritchie is his nephew, and he was working on the O'Reilly Factor, and according to some people that work on that staff, they leaked out the gawker uh, that uh, Brandon Ritchie was going around saying that his aunt was having an affair. Uh, meaning O'Reilly's wife, and that she was having it with some sort of local sheriff. 
So, okay, that's an interesting piece of gossip if you care about gossip. And then, uh, apparently, in some of the pictures, O'Reilly's not wearing his ring anymore. All right. Uh, that's not an interesting story. Here comes the interesting part. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, it turns out, uh, didn't like that uh, his wife might be going around with the local sheriff. And so, apparently, he reached out to the local police department and said, can you guys start an internal investigation on the guy who's cheating uh, you know, by having, apparently, relationship with my wife. Now, you got to understand something. The guy's not cheating. He's unmarried, right? And the guy's not doing anything wrong. It's not a crime, right? But O'Reilly, apparently, was going to give a lot of money to a foundation headed by the head of the cops. Huh, who knew? So, let me give you the details. Richard Harrison is a 23-year veteran of the Nassau County Police Department. According to a source that uh, leaked this to Gawker, that is apparently very close to Richard Harrison, uh, and in fact had emails from him, uh, he was asked to start an investigation on the cop that was apparently sleeping with O'Reilly's wife. Uh, here is an email that was leaked out from Harrison, apparently. Quote, you'll never guess what happened to me the other day. Do you know Bill O'Reilly? I got called into my boss's office saying they wanted me to meet with these two PIs working for O'Reilly to go over some information because a detective was having an affair with O'Reilly's wife. Now, this is an email he sent at the time to this anonymous source who's now leaking it, right? Uh, and you think the PIs are private investigators. Again, in the beginning of the article, I'm thinking, like, well, was there a crime here? Am I missing something? Well, it turns out, no, there wasn't. Here's a, another quote according to the source. The order was to investigate the, this detective, not for any misdeeds, but to see if they can get anything on him. Delargy also told him that to tell the detective to back off. Now, Delargy is the inspector who is the commanding officer for Harrison, okay? So his commanding officer pulls him in and says, go get dirt on this guy who's one of our detectives. Has he done anything wrong? Nope. Has he done anything illegal? Nope. Just go get dirt on him. So why? Why would they do that? And remember, cops, obviously, most of the time stick up for one another, so this seems strange. What's their motivation? Well, uh, it turns out, here's quote number three from the same source. These internal affairs cops were on the case at the behest of Mulvey in order to get O'Reilly's funds. Now, who's Mulvey? Well, Mulvey is the Nassau County Police Department chief, uh, commissioner. Uh, he was at the time. And he's also the guy who set up the Nassau County Police Department Foundation. Now, that's a good foundation. What it does is it's a nonprofit that helps raise money for construction of a planned $48 million police training facility. But he needs money for that facility. Apparently, when Mulvey was asked, hey, did you start this investigation? Do you know anything about this investigation? Uh, he totally knew about it. It didn't catch him off guard. It wasn't a story like, what? What are you talking about? We're not doing any investigation. Uh, in regards to the O'Reilly and the other cop, he says, well, I'm not going to comment on the investigation. We'll see how that uh, plays out. Then they say, uh, did O'Reilly uh, put you up to this? Oh, of course not. Don't be ridiculous. Are you friends with O'Reilly? Yes, really good friends. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, but we're not done yet. So one more thing. Oh, by the way, before I get to the final quote, the Long Island Press apparently was doing a story about how the Nassau County Police Department seemed to be doing favors for people giving money to this foundation. And they didn't have Bill O'Reilly on the list. They were going around calling people, etc. Bill O'Reilly's assistant calls them up and says, you know Bill O'Reilly's totally not guilty. You know, he, you, you know, it's not your business whether he gives money to that foundation or not, and he didn't necessarily get any favors. They're like, Bill O'Reilly? They're like, oh, excellent, really? Okay, we'd like more comments on that. So, 
<laughs> you, get, you got a sense that maybe he's got a guilty conscience that he's sending his guys in to you know, intimidate the local press to say, he was not involved, he's not getting any favors. So, when they asked Detective Lieutenant Kevin Smith about, hey, wait a minute now, uh, why would you, is it okay for you guys to investigate an unmarried police officer who's romantically involved with the wife of a private citizen? Is that a legitimate grounds for an investigation, an internal affairs inf investigation? Here's what Smith said, quote, It could be if a person comes to us and has a complaint, no matter how frivolous it appears to be, we look into it. We don't look lightly on citizens' complaints. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, that's what I said, okay. <laughs> End of this, guilty, okay. You're gonna walk in with a frivolous complaint to the cops and say like, ah, I got no evidence, I got nothing, but you know what? I want you to start an internal investigation on one of your own cops. You think they're gonna take that seriously? <laughs> Unless you back it up with a whole wad of money and say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna donate all this money to your police commissioner's pet project on that foundation. Now are you interested in investigating your own cops? Oh yes we are. Could be, could be, no problem at all. Yes sir, Mr. O'Reilly. As the Bush administration's strongest advocate for the Iraq War and leading champion of waterboarding and other abusive interrogation methods, Dick Cheney is seen by many as a lying, torturing murderer. It's a view you won't hear as Cheney makes the corporate media rounds promoting his new autobiography. Take Matt Lauer's first question to Cheney on the August 30th Today Show. Very pleased to have Dick Cheney with us in the studio this morning. Vice President Cheney, it's good to see you. Good to be here, Matt. You have been called a lot of things over the years. You've been called skillful, uh, dynamic, you've been called controversial and divisive. Some people have called you the most divisive political figure in this country in a century. Do you think it's all political, or do you think there's something about your personality, your demeanor, that inspires animosity in your critics? Cheney's been called worse than that. And for most, disapproval of Cheney has nothing to do with personality. It's more about the law-breaking, warmongering, and lying. Not all of Lauer's questions were so soft, but the NBC host set a tone, as did an August 31st USA Today story that described the quintessential Cheney as, quote, combative, unapologetic, dismissive of his critics, and suspicious of reporters, close quote. The kid glove treatment is really no surprise. After all, Henry Kissinger has enjoyed a long solicitous relationship with the media since his days directing the Southeast Asia slaughter for Richard Nixon. One strong remark did make it in to the end of the Today Show piece. As the camera panned to the studio's street-level windows, viewers could see a sign outside reading, Investigate Cheney.
As you'll recall, during his time as an elected official accountable to the nation's voters, our Vice President Dick Cheney kept something of a low profile. <laughs> Staying in undisclosed locations, erasing the vice presidential residence from Google Maps, <laughs> traveling only at night, <laughs> on the new moon at low tide. But with the release last month of his new Tell Some book, Cheney is now saying, Hello world, it's me Dick. He's on Dateline, The Today Show, Morning Joe, every show Fox News has ever produced, including a double shot of Hannity, The Situation Room, ABC News, C-SPAN, and even The Tonight Show, where things got somewhat surreal. It's The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Hold on, six legs, mm, two hearts, yeah, and a pending indictment for war crimes at The Hague. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. Ah, name three things the Tonight Show panel possesses. Mm. You have to think back now. To the That's why Carson was the greatest. That's going to be a hard one to explain to the aliens who visit this earth. <laughs> but of course, for me, the highlight of Cheney's tour came yesterday, when he, along with his wife Lynn, dropped in on the ladies of The View. Mr. Vice President, I want to talk about this little bulge here. guessing that line was especially unsettling on The View's radio broadcast. Yeah, last uh, year ago, June, I went into end-stage heart failure, in effect. My uh, heart wasn't pumping enough blood to service my vital organs. Go on. This is the uh, control element that runs it. The actual pump itself nice. is uh, inside my chest. You need power all the time, 24 TV. hours a day. What does that mean? It means... Put the battery back. Put the battery back. Battery back. Yeah, yeah. Not, not here. <laughs> Cheney's frailty sapping my ability to poke fun at his vile public service records. I... He's more machine now than man. Yes! Yes! That's why! That's what's sapping my ability to poke fun at him, ghost of Alec Guinness. It's that the Darth Vader metaphor is now more true than funny. I... Mm. This is really unbelievable. It took a piece of bionic machinery to humanize Dick Cheney.
up, Jay? This is Noah calling from Ashland, Ohio. I just wanted to say I really love the show. I'm kind of stuck in a town where I deal with a lot of brainless conservatives. And I feel that I need to say a lot of my, the very few of my Democrat friends just hate Republicans because they are Republicans. And a lot of people are like that, and that annoys me. It's not their so-called political beliefs, even though I still disagree with them that annoy me about them, but it, a lot of times it's the fact that they refuse to believe that they could ever be wrong. They refuse to think that they might be wrong about anything. And that's what really annoys me. So, once again, love the show. Keep it up. I'll try and donate. Don't really have the money available, though. Bye, man. Hi, Jay. This is Sean from Portland, Oregon. Um, I love your show. Tell everybody about it. And I have just finished listening to the episode on the war on the middle class. And I was reminded again and again of the study I read about that talked about um, psychology of being in last place. And how the study went was they gave five people one dollar or the like number five they gave five dollars number one they gave one dollar and on down the line and then they gave everybody two more dollars and said you can either give it to the person above or below you and how it went was oftentimes the fifth place person fourth place person would give it to people below them but once you got down to uh the person with only two dollars Half the time, they'd give it to the person above them, and the psychological effect being that if you give the person below you with $1, $2, they would be passing you up, and you would be then in last place, which is unconscionable. So um, that, that's the study, um, and uh, love your show, and hope people can find the application for this in their life and thinking about how Republicans and other small-minded folks think about the world. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Jay. This is Jeff, the policeman in South Florida. Uh, I've been waiting for your podcast for about five or six months, came back, and actually came back to the uh, religious podcast that we just had. Sorry for the pauses and the odds. I didn't write this down. Turns out, yeah, you do have a lot of good stuff. I went away from you because of the whole use of Mumia Abu-Jamal, the guy who's convicted of, of uh, murdering Officer Faulkner in Philadelphia. I think it's a completely abhorrent that you use him, but that's why I don't give you any money. And I can just skip over him. So yeah, people don't like the religious podcast, they can skip that. I don't like Mumia Abu-Jamal, I skip that. I'm a member of the majority report, and not you. So, it works out well. So, sort of say, I'm back. I enjoy your podcast. Even if you do have a convicted cop killer sometimes. I just skip it. Thanks, man. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So welcome back to Policeman Jeff. This is a very exciting day for me and and for all of you, I'm sure, because uh, it, uh, for many of you who will remember the original uh, debate about Mumia Abu-Jamal being included on the show that happened uh, a few months ago, and it, well, if you miss it, you can go back and, and listen to the uh, the voicemails and commentaries from 
episodes 466, 67, and 68, and all of that was kicked off by none other than Policeman Jeff. And, you know, my take on it was that I was perfectly happy to agree to disagree on, on the, the point that was being made, and but what I couldn't wrap my mind around was why anyone would fall for, for that, you know, age-old trick of throwing away the baby with the bathwater. And, you know, but he and, you know, a very, very small uh, handful of people who, who wrote into me or, or called or did whatever they did uh, felt the same way. And they're like, oh, you know, if, if this incredibly small portion uh, of your show remains, then I disapprove so strongly that I have to unsubscribe entirely. And I really just couldn't wrap my mind around it. And so it's really nice to, to have Jeff back and have uh, basically taken that exact uh, you know thought and and adopted it for himself and uh, and doubly so I thought it was awesome that he came back and happened to listen to the religion episode where that essentially that same point was being made uh, you know in a completely different context but get this so like I don't script what I'm gonna say uh, you know at the end of the show like this but I do have a couple of notes and so the notes from a few days ago that are sitting on this uh, spiral notepad next to me says, uh, uh, you know, from the religion episode, it says, uh, why it's okay to make fun of Christianity but not uh, – or, or but uh, defend Islam and why do Christians have so little faith in others' ability to take uh, criticism when – you know, because they were saying like, hey, I can listen to your show but my friends wouldn't like it, you know, that, that whole thing. And so, and then right next to this, I didn't end up talking about it, but right next to this, with a little arrow, it says, similar to Mumia debate, dash, people who canceled their subscriptions entirely. <laughs> and, and so I was absolutely planning on, you know, making that direct comparison myself. It just turned out, you know, it was going to take too long. I felt I had made my point. I didn't need to add like a couple extra minutes to the whole commentary, uh, you know, just, just to go over it again in a different way but uh but yeah i mean it, it's it's a direct comparison well made and i'm uh and i'm so i'm glad jeff heard it and, it and agreed and is back and all of those things so welcome so that's basically what i have for you today uh, i'm gonna thank a couple of members one uh, one special thanks though so for the normal thanks goes to Rebecca I, who signed up for a socialist, very generous, uh, going above and beyond, a socialist membership, paying for a full year in advance back on uh, June 23rd. So uh, very, very uh, grateful, normal thanks to Rebecca. And special thanks to Michael O, who, uh, who got in contact with me recently. It was uh, the, the, the point of getting in touch was that there was trouble with his membership. And I love the members who, uh, who write in and are like, hey, PayPal's trying to screw me over. You know, my credit card expired or whatever. And they're trying to, you know, the, the payment failed, but I can't figure out why. Um, you know, but I want to keep it going. And th that takes a, you know, a level of initiative <laughs> that, that I really, really appreciate because, you know, it would be really easy to just kind of like let it expire and like, oh, yeah, best of the left. I should... I should sign back up for that, Meh. and then you know it drops away. So, anyways, Mike Michael uh, wrote in uh, to let me know about that and, and ask how he could get that all fixed up. But on top of that, went on to tell me about you know a, a series of unfortunate events that have befallen him, making it you know hard for him to maintain his membership, yet insisting that he wanted to maintain it anyways. And uh, so I, you know, I looked him up. I realized he hadn't been thanked yet, and thought I should, uh, 
yeah, let, let me let me move this guy to the top of uh, of the pile. Um, he deserves it. So uh, so Michael, thank you very much for the the communication and and support and everything. Uh, absolutely, you know, good luck and and best to you. I sincerely hope everything uh, starts looking up very very soon. The rest of you, whether you are, are uh, able, willing, or interested in becoming a member. Uh, everyone can support the show just by continuing to tell everyone you know about it, of course. You can uh, spread individual clips of the show online, which is enormously helpful to get the word out about you know this show and progressive media in general. Uh, really, really easy ways to do that are at uh, the show notes on the blog. You can stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can even donate your Facebook and Twitter accounts to us. All of that is explained by clicking through on the Donate Your Account banner on the, on the website. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day from bestoftheleft.com. Black and Oh